0: Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the GeoMob podcast. I am joined today by Tyler Radford, the director of the humanitarian OpenStreetMap team. Many of our listeners will probably have some association with HOT, the humanitarian OpenStreetMap team, because they presented at GeoMob several times, different volunteers from HOT. And of course, it, it sprang out of the response to the big earthquake in Haiti about 10 years ago maybe 11 years ago now. But for those who don't know of HOT or, or whose awareness of the project is a bit dated, Tyler, please introduce yourself and,
1: and tell us the story of HOT. What is HOT? Ed, first of all, thanks. I'm really happy to be on the show. Thanks for inviting me. It's been a while since we've last spoken. So I think it was at a state of the map when we saw each other in person last maybe.
0: Yeah, I think so. In, in, in Brussels. Maybe. Yeah,
1: that yeah. sounds right to me. So yeah, a lot's been going on since that time. And and just for the audience, I'll give a little bit of a background on what we are and what we're doing. As you rightly pointed out, HOT's actually 10 years old this year. So this is our 10th anniversary. And um, that anniversary, yeah, thanks so much. And and that anniversary was based on our sort of organizational founding in 2010 after the Haiti earthquake. So since that time, I, I think many of our many of your listeners will know us for our rapid disaster response. So bringing together a community of volunteers who are digitizing satellite imagery in OpenStreetMap and providing that data and those maps to responders on the ground. We've been continuing to do that since Haiti. We, we've now this year responded to. We're, we're just about at our hundredth disaster event since Haiti. So it's been sort of an incredible run uh, over the years. And
0: yeah, that's that's a that's an impressive milestone. It, it is well done, everyone. I, I'm
1: really sort of proud of our community for just keeping up the energy and the momentum over that, that long of a time period. And I think one of the other things I've, maybe a bit about my own history, I was involved back in 2010 sort of as, as a volunteer myself. Work At that time, Ushahidi was a big player in the 2010 earthquake response, and, and they were the ones who were doing actually receiving the SMS messages coming from people who were experienced uh, damage or in some cases were trapped under damaged buildings in Haiti and plotting those manually on on a map of the the affected area in Port-au-Prince. And so I got a taste of of sort of this crisis mapping concept at that point. And I actually didn't come back to HOT until 2015 when HOT's previous executive director, Kate Chapman, moved on. I got a chance to join as as one of our um, few staff members at that time, and I, I had really seen from 2010 to 2015 just the growth in the work that had been happening. So we were still responding to disasters, but one of the big changes that was happening during that time is that we were also seeing ways that open data and OpenStreetMap could be used for other types of challenges, uh, longer term development challenges, education projects, healthcare, providing critical health services to people who need it. So just the, the, the kind of scope of what HOT was doing beyond, was expanding beyond humanitarian into just people's needs across many different sectors, I would say. And that's really kind of where we've been going since 2015 is continuing to respond to disasters, but also doing a lot more than that.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, I, I was looking at the HOT webpage when we got started with this and, uh, it's really impressive the list of organizations that you're partnering with all around the world the number of different projects that are ongoing maybe can you can you share some numbers with mm-hmm. us like how many people are involved and 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 give give us a, a sense of the scale
1: yeah so we're up to roughly i was taking a look at that earlier today we have 280,000 contributors have been using our platform, the Tasking Manager, since it came online. And so it's pretty incredible. One of the things we've been kind of talking about is who makes up that community. And it's a really, it's a very, very diverse group. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't claim that those 280,000 people are all sort of hot volunteers or our community, but it's really a mix of people and organizations who care about data for good and data for disaster relief and humanitarian action and are coming together and doing it all in, in one place. For your listeners, the tasking manager, it's a really simple concept that basically takes an area to be mapped and breaks it up into little, little squares or tiles. And each volunteer grabs one of those and and using satellite imagery, draws what they see in that imagery, whether it's buildings or roads or natural features like waterways. And so through that process, we've been able to cover a pretty huge area so far. We estimate that the hot community has mapped an area home to 150 million people over the past 10 years. And so one of the things we'll talk about this maybe a bit more, but one of the things we're aiming to do over the coming five years is cover an area home to 1 billion people. So it's basically a seven, seven times increase from where we are now. So there's a lot of work ahead and that's gonna require sort of growing the community even, even bigger and making sure that we, we kind of see HOT changing its model a little bit into an organization that's kind of reactive and responding to an, an organization that's there to support community growth And make sure that we actually have OpenStreetMap editors in every country in the world. So in a sense, we're almost going back to the original crazy vision of OpenStreetMap. If you think back, you were involved in the early days, right? If you think back about to the 2005-2006 days, this, this sort of crazy notion of can we map the world through individuals actually sharing data about their local neighborhoods and the places they live that's we're we're going back to that concept so hot's no longer don't think of us as remote mapping think of us as people who care about mapping the places they live and that's really one of our big big focus areas over the coming years well that's that's
0: great yeah i mean so so lots to dive into there yeah first of all it, it has been really impressive to see not just the evolution of hot the organization but the the tools involved i can remember some of the early Early versions of the tasking manager, which were frankly a bit clunky, and and now it's really quite slick. And of course, it's really cool that that's a that's an open source product, and and different communities also kind of can use that. And and I know some of the national OpenStreetMap communities run their own version of the tasking managers as well, a, as a way to divvy up the projects and their areas of focus. But yeah, I, I think what one thing that'd be interesting to talk about is it's been interesting to see how hot. And, and these, you know, the charitable response to these disasters is kind of a gateway drug in a way for a lot of people to OpenStreetMap. You know, they come because they want to help in response to a disaster. And, and I'm guessing many of these people know nothing about OpenStreetMap, what OpenStreetMap is. And then they start getting into it. And, you know, obviously not everyone, but some people then turn into active members of the community. And in some countries now, they're really thriving local communities that I think kind of got their start the initial you know, spark that lit the flame was was hot. And I know, you, I know you guys have been doing a lot of things like the micro grants to support those local communities. Maybe you can tell us
1: a bit about that and, and how that's happened. Sure. Yeah, I like the analogy there. It's an, I actually haven't heard that one before, the, the sort of gateway drug analogy, but I think it, <laughs> there's good, maybe there's a positive and negative side to that. When we think about sort of, uh, if, if we use that analogy as a gateway drug, it's one of the things that... We, I would say HOT does make an effort to to make the process very welcoming and inviting to new contributors. The reason for that is we believe that through more contributors and through diversity of contributors, it's not just like the right thing to do or the moral thing to do. It, it means that we're going to have a better map at the end of the day and we're going to have better mm. data for humanitarian response. To put it quite simply, how are we going to map the very rural areas where refugees have across the border between South Sudan and Uganda and, and know what facilities are there and what the, the opening hours of a health clinic are and what services are provided. We're not gonna get that information from satellite imagery. We need to have contributors on the ground actually doing that. And that's where, it, that, that's where HOT comes in is that we want to support those people who, who have an interest in, in, in maps or in simply in improving uh, the living conditions where they live. And basically get them some basic support to do that. I mean, the concept behind the microgrants program was that there's people who are highly skilled, highly educated, but maybe are lacking some of the basics to do the job, maybe don't have a laptop or need to pay for, for internet, high-speed internet access so they can actually contribute to OSM. And so that was really the concept behind microgrants is overcome some of these basic structural barriers to contributing to OSM. And through that process, bring in more contributors and help to help to grow the community. so I, I guess in that sense, hot is a bit of a, a gateway drug because we see ourselves as the enabler for that to happen. We're not trying our, our aim is really not to sort of necessarily create communities or 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 you know sort of create these new entities where they don't exist, but it's really to figure out where the interest already is, where volunteers are already working, maybe have an interest in technology, ICT, and just provide a little bit of the training, a little bit of the funding, but encourage those contributors to use their own, you know, to build on their own skills and knowledge and sometimes use their even use their own devices, like their own mobile phones to contribute. And we just help them with with airtime or internet access. So that's really what the microgrants concept is about. It's just Getting over that little hump or that barrier, and I can I can tell you one of the things I've been really proud of since I joined Hot in 2015 was we're now up to 63 supporting 63 community groups globally. So we've provided 63 of these micro grant, 66 of the micro grants. Three of the communities received them two times. So we've supported 63 community groups over 32 countries. And the point I was making before about data, it is having a real impact. So those grantees have made 12 million map edits and trained another 13,000 individuals to contribute to OSM so our our aim and our hope through this process is that data is going to be used by humanitarian responders by by the communities themselves it's in some cases we've seen startups emerge around the the data that's now available and we hope that it's also contributing in a million other ways, like we now have place names available to that maybe are being served up by OpenCage at some point, um, depending, on, depending on where your your clients are, are sort of interested, the geographies they're interested in. So there's all these kind of tangential impacts that we, we don't even know necessarily what the full extent of them is.
0: We definitely benefit from from all the data that's being contributed. But there's another thing that actually that we benefit quite a lot from, and that is, you know, at OpenCage, we often have people come who just want geocoding and they don't know anything about open data. And then they, they find some problem with the data and they're like, can you fix it? And I say, no, you can fix it. And, you know, we educate them on that. And I very often I end up pointing them to all your educational resources that you have, like the learn OSM page and things like that, because they're really excellent and, and available in so many different languages And things like that. So maybe maybe you can tell us a bit about that. I guess one of the one of the flip sides of having so many volunteers coming in is that they're they're probably very well motivated and and well-intentioned, but often they don't have any background in mapping or cartography or anything like that. So and and perhaps not even, you know, they're not particularly savvy digital users, you know. So tell us about some of the educational efforts that you guys are doing. And how, how do you make sure you funnel the enthusiasm of people who, who want to map into, you know, producing a, a high quality product, a high quality output.
1: I was thinking of that in relation to the gateway drug analogy again. And one, one of the other, um, you know, there's controversy around gateway drugs. Some people say that there's no such thing because you never move on from that initial, initial uh, whatever the gateway drug was. And I think there's something to be said there in that some people, and this has been a criticism of HOT in some cases, that some people get stuck too much in that beginner mapper phase. They only map with us once at a mapathon. They don't progress past that, and so the gateway drug doesn't actually serve as intended. It doesn't get them. Right, full, it's not actually a gateway. <laughs> it doesn't actually get them into the full OpenStreetMap ecosystem. And and I would say I mean there's different ways of looking at that. I think there is there is some value in bringing in new contributors, as I said earlier, for the data, but. Also, just simply because it's expanding kind of the the knowledge around OSM and it's expanding the the number of people who are aware of the project and, and might trigger them to be more active in in other open communities or other open source projects. So, I I don't necessarily think it's a it's a bad thing, but at the same time, we are making a lot of efforts to sort of educate contributors and show them the. Help help them to see the the advantages of being involved beyond just a first mapathon or beyond just their first edit. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of ways that happens. It, it looks different depending on where you are and kind of how you first encounter Hot or OpenStreetMap. But it could be that you come to a mapathon and and learn about it there, and then go on go on to do. We've heard of many volunteers saying, "This is so cool! I do it now. You know, every day on my lunch break." or I've yeah. I've learned, you know, I've I've now learned how to we've had some contributors go on to become validators, which is a, basically a more advanced contributor who's checking the work of a beginner mapper. And a lot of this is self-taught. It's it happens through our learning platforms like Open uh, Learn OSM, but it's also through the just people helping other people. So we have a big community that's active on Slack right now. It's about I think 2500 or 3000 people. And the conversations there are just amazing. It's you—you you could have volunteers from Colombia helping a new contributor in Mali, and it's just all these um, crazy connections that would never happen otherwise. And I think that's where actually a lot of the learning and, and growth is happening, just through those personal connections. I, I
0: remember one of the early aha moments with Hot was when you know it got started around the, the Haiti earthquake. And then I think shortly after that was the tsunami in Japan, right? Or maybe, maybe like a year or so after. And people in Haiti, from the community in Haiti, were then mapping Japan, right? Which kind right. of totally flips the traditional humanitarian model on its head. And and was really cool, yep. that, that, you know.
1: Yeah, I, so, I really, that's one of the things I'm most proud about with HOT is that we are non-traditional. We don't think about our, our work as serving beneficiaries or, you know, handing out a, a um, direct aid to beneficiaries. It's really about a person or a group of people in one place joining forces to help people in another place. And we're all, it's, it's a level playing field in a sense in that anyone can be part of the project and anyone can be contributing to disaster relief. It doesn't, you know, it's, n- it's not just focused on one geography helping another geography. It's really, its it's kind of all... I think of it as sort of an we were having this conversation the other day, like what is hot 10 years later. And we we had a, a a meeting in our one of our board committees, which is a strategy committee. And it was pretty incredible just to see how different people defined what hot is. Some people said in NGO, other people said a community. There was others that said multiple communities or a community of communities and others said a network or a network of networks. So that's one of the things I'm most proud of is that it, it is kind of amorphous. We are an NGO, but we are a spider web in a, in a sense, too, where we have all these connections between people. And that was one of the things that's one of the things I miss about traveling this year is that when I was able to kind of visit a number of the countries where we, we have staff working, or even countries where we don't have any official presence, I would always have somebody to meet up with in the OpenStreetMap community. It kind of feels like you have a big global family in a sense.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's one of the best things about OpenStreetMap. Mm-hmm. Anywhere you go, you can map, and, the, and anywhere you go, there's right probably someone right. who's already started mapping. Right. So let's talk about something else. So you know, here on GeoMob, we often have very interesting talks from from startups and things that are that are inventing new technologies or deploying new technologies, and you know, so obviously there's been a been a huge proliferation of interesting new technologies around mapping, aerial imagery, earth observation, all these kinds of things, new devices. And so that's raised a lot of questions in the OpenStreer community about how to employ these technologies in mapping. How is that playing out within HOT? I mean, how are things mm-hmm. like imagery and all these kinds of things, how, or, or, you know, you know, using AI to to do the mapping? How
1: do you guys see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we've had, I, I would say, um, we've had a lot of discussion around this in the HOT community over the past couple of years. And, and some of it was, around like the first sort of cases of, okay, we can now kind of automatically detect, detect features in satellite imagery. Like we can see where the buildings are automatically. Does this mean the end of hot? We're not going to be drawing squares around, on, around buildings anymore. And that, I, I think that raised a lot of interesting questions for us. And one of the, the direction that's gone is that we really see AI as in enabler or kind of a supercharger of our of our volunteer community. It's not going to replace our, our volunteers or our community by any means, but it might make their work easier or faster or, or more efficient. And, and I think what some of the things it might do is help to focus efforts on things that humans can add the most value in. For example, instead of experimenting with this already, for example, some of the work we have partnerships with Microsoft and Facebook on this, and Facebook's been doing some really cool work on detecting roads in satellite imagery. They've done this for nearly all of the world's countries now and publish that data openly, yeah. right? So we're, we're working on how to make use of that. The, Facebook's rapid editor has been really, really great for that purpose. It, it lets our volunteers kind of see where those roads are detected and then determine whether to merge those into OpenStreetMap or whether edits still need to be made or adjustments before, they're, before the data is merged into OpenStreetMap. So I, I see those, those kind of tools as a way to still keep humans in the driver's seat, but speed up their work and, and maybe refocus our efforts on the more interesting stuff. I think the name of the game for us in the coming years is going to be not worrying as much about drawing the, the polygons and the lines, but moving toward a place where humans are doing stuff that only humans can do, like actually know, you know, st- standing in front of a shop and knowing what that sign says when it's an Arabic language sign and knowing what, what's sold in that shop and knowing what the opening hours are asking about the opening hours of that shop or doing the same thing in, at a school or a health facility or or view a, you know a covid example because that's on all our minds these days with the vaccine distribution we've been hearing it's it's going to be really important to keep that vaccine cold so the the logistics of actually distributing that vaccine getting it out to a network of pharmacies or other health sites you need to know where those health sites are what their refrigeration capacity is none of this can be done through ai right this is all a very very human very kind of old school data collection in a sense and so in, in many countries where we're going to be responding to COVID, this is a unique place that people can help out. So I see the technology as speeding up all our remote digitization, hopefully, with, with while still leaving humans in the driver's seat, but letting our contributor community focus on the, the kind of value-added stuff on the ground. And, and also street view imagery is a way to kind of speed up the, the work on the ground as well without in a time of COVID where we can't physically be in every location.
0: Gotcha, all right, well then that raises a good point. What what would, for any listeners out there who wanna get involved or maybe they were involved a few years ago and they wanna dive back in, what's the best way to get involved? What do you, where do you need help? Is it in mapping? Is it in software development? Is it in something else around the organization? How should people dive in? we
1: welcome all of those contributions. I I think at the point in time where we're at right now or help, the growth of the mapping community in, in 94 countries. And we were really fortunate recently to get uh, a, a big investment over the next five years from a number of kind of prominent philanthropists. And this, this vi- the vision behind that was to map an area home to 1 billion people over the next five years and engage 1 million volunteers in mapping that 1 billion people. We've prioritized 94 countries that are most prone to disaster or are facing the highest levels of, of poverty. So in those 94 countries, that's really where our, our focus is going to be. And we want people to, number one, either help map those countries, help Support communities in those countries. Whilst we, we're fortunate to receive this investment, it doesn't fully fund our plan for those 94 countries. We want to be able to provide micro grants to OpenStreetMap groups or open data groups in those 94 countries. We welcome additional financial contributions toward that goal for sure. But I think for all your individual listeners out there, that's, not, that, that's very helpful, but not the most important thing. It's really about telling somebody about OpenStreetMap. Trying it out yourself. Go to go to tasks.hotosm.org. Try out some mapping. You can also, if you are a software developer, we're doing quite a bit of work on our our platform, on tasking manager, and on some of our other tools. And we have sort of a quite a a backlog of of um, issues that we need support with. You can find us on GitHub, hotosm, and even as you said earlier, there's a lot on our tasking manager. There's a lot of places to be mapped and. When I took a look at that earlier today, we had roughly 3,000 open requests for mapping projects. What that means is that in, in a humanitarian organization or another um, partner of ours has said, hey, we need help in this area. And we've got 3,000 of those right now. So there's a giant backlog of places that need to be um, that still need to be mapped, which is kind of crazy. If you think about where we are, we're in 2020 and we're still we're still uh, working on the same Challenge from 2005.
0: It, it is. I was working on a task a couple months ago. Yeah, and it was shocking because I, I went in there and I mean there were like, you know, what looked to be fairly big roads that weren't mm-hmm. in OpenStreetMap or anything. So I, I do encourage any listener, you know, now over the holiday period, if you have a day that you don't know what to do with yourself, instead of just you know watching watching a rerun of a movie you've seen six times or whatever, maybe might be might be better to pop into the task manager and see see how you can contribute or to get involved in any other way. So okay so so what's the next most immediate goal for 2021 for hot Teller? I mean let's um, maybe we'll make this a regular thing and once a year you can come back and give us an update and that
1: that would so be great so what yeah. would
0: what would make 2021 a success for HOT?
1: Yeah, I would say one of the things we're doing now is that we've, we've laid out this big vision and our community helped to develop this vision of, of getting to 1 billion and 1 million over the next five years. But beyond that, there's a lot of detail that goes into that. So th- those are the big numbers, but really it's about, it's not like a quick, there's no one quick solution to this. It's going to be working over a long period, over a number of years with individuals who care about OpenStreetMap in those 94 countries that I mentioned. To be able to do that, we're kind of building up some of our own team's capacity right now. So we have HOTS roughly 130 staff members at the moment. That's including all our teams working on humanitarian situations in our, uh, sort of, uh, in our country offices. And we're growing that team. We're adding a few people to our, to our global team that can help support delivery of grants, can help support partnerships, can help support, we just added a a head of community to our team to help support the growth of community. I guess that's been a huge focus of ours just over the past few months is making sure we have the team in place that can support this. At the end of the day, that's what the staff team is there for. It's to support the growth of the community and support the cool things that the community is doing. And so that's that's what we're building up now is kind of that base support or that foundation to to help the community. But next year, I foresee it as a year of adaptation. I mean, with with COVID, where things have changed and we're not going to be able to sort of be on the ground in every location and our grantees can't even be on the ground in every location. They might be there might be a bigger focus on going back to remote digitization, even though I said we're kind of trying to expand Mm -hmm. from that. I think that's going to continue to be a big thing into next year because of the travel restrictions. So, I'm looking forward to things like advances in having more street view imagery available through through Mapillary, through OpenStreetCam. I think there's some big there's some big opportunities there for our community. And really, we're just excited to get moving on what we I don't think I mentioned it, but we're calling this the Audacious Project and our audacious vision over the next five years. Just getting started on it, we're opening four regional offices, one in West Africa, East Africa, Latin America, and in Asia. And one of our goals is to really make sure that we have capacity in those regions that can support the growth of communities in the region. So... Anyway, I could go on and on, but I'll leave it at that. that A lot, that's that, happening for next year. All
0: right. I, I think that's going to keep
1: you busy. <laughs> for,
0: for, you know. No, um, I mean, congratulations on on all the progress that you've made, but also to all the members of the hot community. It's really impressive how it's, how it's grown over time and, you know, all the work that's done. And, and I think I speak on behalf of all the listeners and saying, you know, we wish you every success. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to dive into the tasking manager over the next couple of days and sink my teeth into one or two of the projects. So awesome. Thanks a lot for coming along to talk with us. What's, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? If they, if, if the interviews raise some questions or they, they want to learn more.
1: Yeah, sure. You can find me personally on Twitter or LinkedIn. Feel free to send me a message or you can check out our website, which is hot OSM, hot OSM, like openstreetmap.org And Check out our mapping projects, which is tasks.hotosm.org, and and get. Well, we'll of
0: course get all those in the show notes hey, as well. Yeah, that, so.
1: that, that's great. And Ed, thanks a lot. I mean, you've personally been a big supporter of of our work, and we're really thankful to have support from OpenCage as well over the past over the past number of years. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's it's been
0: a it's been a pleasure. To, I mean, again, it's uh, we're all in it together. Yeah, so
1: really, really grateful for that, and. Just, I mean, maybe one final thought is what we're doing is not, it's really for everybody. We want every, literally every person in our world to become an open street mapper. And so we're very much, yeah, as Ed said, check check out, do a little mapping if you haven't already. Just look at the maybe the place you live or the place you grew up and check that out first before moving somewhere else. And uh, we really welcome welcome you and, and um, welcome contributions to the project, so from wherever you are. So thanks. All right. Thanks very much, Tyler. Ed, thanks. Great being here. Take care.
0: Thanks everyone for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is Geomob. You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Freifogel. You can check out Mappery at Mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode, and of course, seeing you at a future Geomop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.